Welcome to Zero Down from the Economics Department of Miranda House. In today's episode, we'll be talking about prospect theory, a theory that fundamentally changed behavioral economics and behavioral finance and brought to us the perspective and proved to us that, hey, possibly, we're not the most rational beings out there in the world. So let's begin the episode by understanding what exactly prospect theory is. So prospect theory is basically a behavioral model that tells us how people decide between choices under risk and uncertainty. It says that we value gains and losses differently, placing more weight on perceived gains than we do on perceived losses. This theory is also known as the loss aversion theory as it says that people are inherently loss averse and they dislike losses more than they love equivalent gains, which is why they are more willing to take risks to avoid a loss. Another way to look at it is that people are not usually willing to lose what they have, in the sense that they would rather avoid a loss than take a risk and make an equivalent gain through the bet. This is because for most of us, the satisfaction that comes from a perceived gain is less than the pain that comes from a perceived loss. Be it a friendly bet, insurance, or even politics, the idea of certainty over risk which is the foundation of this theory, applies everywhere as we think of expected utility with respect to a reference point rather than thinking about it in absolute terms. Now, this definition will get more clear as we proceed with the episode and introduce a few examples. But before that, let's have a look at the history attached to this theory. A little backstory on this theory. So, prospect theory, also sometimes called as a loss aversion theory was developed by two Israeli psychologists, Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman. And when they were developing this, they never knew that it would possibly have so much of impact on economics. And apparently, the collaboration between Tversky and Kahneman began after Kahneman invited Tversky to speak as a guest to a seminar at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in the year 1969. And about a decade later, in 1979, this collaboration led to the groundbreaking discovery of prospect theory and became the foundation of behavioral economics. The theory was contained in a paper called Prospect Theory and Analysis of Decision Under Risk that was published in the Econometrica Journal in 1979. As they say, all great things come from collaboration. This discovery later on in 2002, led to Kahneman getting awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics, an award he would have shared with Tversky had he not died in 1996, aged 59. Now let us move on to know how exactly prospect theory works and let's begin this process through examples. So let's say that your friend who loves economics asks you to choose from two options. Option one is that you win $50 with certainty. And option two gives you a 50-50 chance of winning $100. So that means that if you choose option two, you either win $100 or you win nothing. And that too with equal probabilities, which is half. So what would you choose in this situation? Well, according to this theory, most of you will choose option one even though the expected utility from both the options is the same. 
which is $50. So this example very well describes your preference of being certain about winning something less, that is certainty of winning $50, over winning $100, which is double the amount but comes at a risk that you are not willing to take. But the thing is, this, you know, winning $50 with certainty sounds like a more rational choice intuitively. But if you technically think about it, both of them have the same expected value. Another example. So um, imagine you have to choose between two options. Option A, lose $900 or option B, you get take a 90% chance of losing $1000 and a 10% chance of losing nothing. Now think about this. Most of us would have chosen option B. I mean, this shows that losses are treated in the opposite manner of gains. Because when we are faced with loss, we engage in risk-seeking behavior in order to avoid a loss. This is like saying, I would rather take a gamble over a sure loss in the hope of paying nothing. But again, both of the values have the same expected utility. Bottom line, people are generally perceived as risk-averse when all the changes in their wealth are perceived to be gains and they become risk-seeking when all the changes in their wealth are perceived to be losses. Now let's get ahead onto the applications of prospect theory in real life. Yeah. So the applications of this theory cover diverse economic settings like consumption choice behavior, labor supply, and even insurance. Purchasing insurance plans is an excellent real-life example of how the prospect theory works uh, because most of us have either purchased insurance or at least are aware about the insurance plans. So empirical evidence has shown that people are not willing to insure against rare losses at low premium rates. But what happens when they are presented with moderate or high losses? As you may have guessed, the same people are now more willing to take up insurance for these heavy losses and that too at high premium rates. And not just this, this model has also been applied to understand the functioning of numerous fields, including politics. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Like in international relations, the theory has explained decision-making that involves taking irrational risks, such as continuing to engage in sunk costs, which we know that a lot of institutions still do. So yeah, we can say that the applications of this theory extend wide into other fields as well and aren't just pertinent to economics only. Now, let's dive deeper into this theory and examine its two phases. Right. So prospect theory has two distinct phases. Phase 1 being that of editing and phase 2 being that of evaluation. Stick with me, this can get a little detailed, but let's delve in together on the very first phase of prospect theory. Editing phase. Editing phase is also sometimes called as framing effects. Now just think about it in normal context, what does editing mean? It means to take out uh, substances from a video or from an audio or from an article that would possibly not make a difference to the final outcome. This is precisely what editing means even in prospect theory. 
it means that when we are faced with a choice or a decision we try to simplify and provide a context for the choice it um, could also um, in very very simple terms could mean that the order the manner and the method in which options are presented to us would have a drastic impact on the choices that we take um this could mean that choices can be affected by trivial manipulations now a rational person here would think that the way or the manner or the method in which something is presented to you would not affect your final decision but the paradox over here is that these editing slash framing effects are embedded to decisions in such a manner that we barely realize that if these options were presented to us differently they would have a different outcome altogether now um a very dramatic real life example would be how real world patients suffering from cancer made different choices of whether to undergo surgery or chemotherapy for treatment of their illness based on whether the outcome percentages were presented in terms of survival or mortality now this is a very very interesting uh, discovery of prospect theory because it implies that the way you characterize or frame a choice can have an impact on the decision you make and this uh phase can be very well exploited by say ads say gossips and even politics to some extent advertisements advertisers try to frame and contextualize their product in such a way that they make you feel you know that this product is what you need to fulfill your need gossip sometimes gossip is framed in the manner it comes from the source because possibly the person who's giving out this gossip could have something to gain from tarnishing the reputation of the other person and now about politics politics most of the times is about major manipulations of trivial facts again this entire editing phase could be quite well you know exploited so after the first phase of prospect theory that of editing we come into the second phase of prospect theory that being of evaluation to so say we had seven choices in front of us in the first phase and we've edited out say four choices out of them in the evaluation phase what we really do is evaluate between the three choices that remain so in evaluation there are two categories the first being that of value function and the second being that of weight function now stick with me this might get a little more detailed but let me tell you it is a very simplified version of the phase so in in value function what first happens is a we define gains and losses with respect to our reference point and not in terms of final outcomes b for any given change there is more impact closer to the starting point that is a reference point than farther away from it so by this in very simple terms what we mean is that the difference between say 10 rupees and 20 rupees would have more psychological impact than the same would have possibly in say 2 lakh 10 rupees and 2 lakh 20 rupees this means that prospect theory predicts that domain affects risk propensity the domain being our reference point so wherever we start out that technically has a drastic impact on our appetite for risk and the third part of value function is that 
losing hurts much more than winning. Now, if you ask any athlete, they would probably say that they hate winning. I mean, they hate losing much more than they love winning. Now we come to the second part of evaluation phase, that being of weight function. In weight function, it simply means that we assign every outcome a number, a weight to it. And each outcome is given a decision weight. So, And this decision weight is very, very uncertain and it is much more irrational than we possibly think. That is, in probability terms, we isolate between 0 and 1. For some event, that possibly has a very minuscule pos uh, probability of occurring, we would possibly assign that outcome a value of say 0 and make it an impossible outcome and say an outcome that has a close to 1 but still a 0.9 say uh, probability of occurring, we would still overweight it and make it an outcome that is highly, highly probable and, and say it has a weightage of 1. And this is how precisely the two phases of prospect theory function. Now, after the phase, uh, phases being discussed, let's get ahead and discuss some biases that people tend to have when dealing with prospect theory. So yeah, according to this theory, there are a few biases that we all are under the influence of while we make decisions under risk and uncertainty. So just to name these biases, just to list them out, these are certainty and the loss aversion bias. Now these two we actually have been talking about in the episode. And along with these, we also have the isolation effect bias. So let's talk about these one by one. So let's start our discussion on the biases associated with the prospect theory by discussing the certainty bias first. As we have seen till now, this bias happens when people are presented with one certain option, right? So what basically is happening is that people kind of tend to overweight those options which are certain against the ones which are not certain. So yeah, the certainty bias is pretty straightforward and self-explanatory, I would say. So coming to the isolation effect now, this refers to people's tendency to act on the information that is different like different in the sense that it is being presented differently to them. So all of us here are more willing to remember the headings of the chapters or the graphs in it or let's say the words that we have highlighted rather than other text because these headings and these highlighted words and these graphs are presented differently to us. They appear different to us. So the framing effect which we just discussed about in the editing phase basically explains how we tend to avoid risk when a positive frame is presented, but we seek risks when a negative frame is presented. So like if there are two new yogurt products in the market and one says that it has 10% fat and the other says that it is 90% fat free. Now both have the same fat percentages, but this effect will lead us to pick the second option as the good aspects have been highlighted because it says that it is 90% fat-free. So you see how the same information is being presented differently and is changing our decisions. So the bias that we undertake in these kind of situations like accepting or rejecting chemotherapy and buying a yogurt based on how the fat percentage is being presented to us 
is all a part of the isolation effect bias. And this is actually pretty important because it impacts our everyday behavior. We know that when a stimulus is different, it is more likely to be remembered and thus when we are making decisions, we are tend to assign higher weights to it and give higher importance to it. So yeah, that's all about the isolation effect bias. So the last bias that we're discussing is the loss aversion bias. Now, this is something that we already have talked about before and it says that people prefer to minimize losses more than they prefer to maximize gains, which as we have seen is the case in most of the decisions that we make under risk. So we have been talking about a lot of our biases, cognitive biases and even about being loss averse. Now let's talk about how do we possibly apply this in daily life. But before that, let's try visualizing how precisely does this look, this prospect theory look, when we try to visualize it in a more imaginative sense. Think about a staircase. Think about you standing on a golden stair, a golden step, that being your reference point or your starting point. Now, if anything that would result, any choice that would result in a gain can be seen as you climbing two steps up from the golden point. And any possible loss would seem like you climbing down the stair from the golden stair, but not just two stairs down, five stairs down. Right. So this is how we look at losses and gains very, very differently and in a very asymmetrical manner. Having that visualization in our mind, let's think about the ways we apply this in daily life. And now, when I let me just point it out to you, and especially students possibly, who really, really use this method and are not quite aware of it. How we guard ourselves against negative experiences. So, when we write an exam, we students tend to have a tendency to put ourselves down in a way to assume that this was possibly the worst ever exam given by yourself. You try to say that maybe the results can be catastrophically low and maybe this is, you know, the worst exam that you have really given in your entire life. You try to dramatize this entire exam just so that you can manipulate yourself and your reference point. Because when you keep and try convincing yourself and try uh, uh, twisting your narrative about this entire exam, what you're really doing is you're setting your expectation level from that golden that golden stair, that reference point. You're trying to push it down to say two steps down below the golden point. When you push your expectations down, what really happens is there are two possibilities for the results, right? For the exam results. A, you've done really well. So this would increase your positive experience because then you'll be climbing again two steps up, which is not bad either ways. And the possibility too is that your entire illusion and manipulation has turned out to be true. And this was perhaps your most worst exam you've ever given. What effectually happens is when you push down your expectations, when you push down your reference point below the golden stair, your loss that is you stepping down five stairs will not be as bad because your expectation was itself set low. 
so this is how we keep guarding ourselves against negative experiences and another way to look at this would be how we try to apply this to overall user experiences we react more strongly to moments of loss and in the form of frustration or confusion that may occur during an interaction with a website or an app when everything works as expected people consider that the norm but once anything goes slightly wrong slightly different possibly a buffering or a loading which could possibly take a little more time than it usually does people balk and remember those bad experiences for much much longer now let's go on to discuss why is prospect theory so important so prospect theory makes us rethink one of the most basic assumptions that we make in economics that is that people or consumers are rational thinkers but are we always rational don't we all sometimes get swayed by biases that we're not even aware of so the prospect theory it helps us understand how decisions are being made by investors and by even us under uncertainty so the understanding of this theory is useful for us to understand the biases where the losses tend to cause greater emotional impact than the equivalent gains so what i'm basically trying to say is that that prospect theory is important because the understanding of this theory makes it easier for us to identify and to avoid the biases and it also takes us a step closer to becoming more rational thinkers and making better decisions in our day-to-day lives so after having a look at the importance of this theory let us now move on and talk about the limitations like every other theory and discovery prospect theory also has its limitations and criticism one of the criticisms of prospect theory is that it lacks psychological explanations for the processes it talks about the criticism comes from other psychologists who note that factors such as human emotional and affective responses that are important in the decision making process are absent in this model the theory is also criticized for the inadequate framing theory that explains why actors generate the frames they use decision makers often need to deal with competing frames across various issues many economists behavioral economists go ahead and say that the framing effect that prospect theory deals with in one of its phases do not work in decisions which are excessively complex as such the impact of framing effects diminish in complex decision making environments also they conclude that as markets get competitive the actors or the agents behave more like rational actors and the impact of prospect theory diminishes yes but even though this theory lacks the psychological explanations for most of the processes that it talks about it has actually helped us to explain several biases that people rely on while making decisions so i believe that it is safe to say that the importance and the applications of the theory have clearly outweighed the limitations and the criticism so that was all about the prospect theory and next time when you presented with risky options we hope that you're able to make a decision while keeping this theory in your mind 
so that you don't fall into the trap of these biases. That was all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. We'll be back really soon with another episode for you all. Till then, stay safe and stay rational. Thank you.